Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? Well, that's what we're here to find out. This week, I've brought The Adventure of the World Series Crime from The Adventures of Ellery Queen. The detective series made its debut as an hour-long show on CBS on June 18, 1939, featuring special armchair detective guests who would have the opportunity to try to solve the mystery once Ellery Queen himself had enough evidence to solve the crime. Starting with the February 25, 1940 episode, the show became a half-hour program. On January 10, 1942, the show switched sponsors from Gulf Oil to Bromo Seltzer and moved from CBS to NBC. By the show's final episode on May 27, 1948, it returned to CBS, then back to NBC, and then to ABC, moving from network to network as a result of its popularity, which drove up production costs. Ellery Queen was created as a pseudonym for Frederick Denae and Manfred Bennington Lee's crime fiction starting in 19. 19- The character of Queen appeared in the stories, helping his police commissioner father solve crimes. Over the next 40 years, the character appeared in more than 30 novels and several short story collections. In print, radio, television, film, and more, the name Ellery Queen was synonymous with finding clues and solving mysteries. I will talk more about Ellery Queen's history after the episode. In much of the same way the actual authors' names were originally masked by the name Ellery Queen, the various actors who portrayed the role during the radio series run were not identified during their tenure in the role. In case you were wondering, they were Hugh Marlowe, Carlton Young, Sidney Smith, Lawrence Dobkin, and Howard Culver. So that's the mystery solved for you. Today's episode features Carlton Young in the title role in The Adventure of the World Series Crime, first broadcast September 30th, 1943. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Romo Seltzer presents The Adventures of Ellery Queen. The makers of Bromo Seltzer bring you another thrilling adventure with Ellery Queen, the celebrated gentleman detective in person. Ellery Queen again gives you a chance to match wits with him as he relates another story of a crime he alone unraveled. Then, at the point where he was able to solve the mystery, he stops the play, gives you a chance to guess the criminal's name. In the studio tonight, we have as our guests Ken Sears, New York Yankee catcher, and Art Flynn, business editor of the weekly newspaper Sporting News. We'd hope to have with us, too, the star second baseman of the Yankees, Joe Gordon, but he was unable to join us. However, Messrs. Sears and Flynn have accepted Ellery Queen's challenge to solve the mystery before the solution is revealed. And now, Ellery Queen, Master Detective, and your host for the next half hour. Thank you, Ernest Chappell, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In tonight's story, Nicky and I quite unexpectedly become involved in the crucial game of the World Series. I call it... The Adventure of the World Series Crime. 
series. Now, you all know what's happened. The Eagles won the first three games. Then the Larks came back to take the fourth and fifth games. And now the Larks are leading in the sixth game, three to two. Here's the pitch. Ball four. That's a walk for Henderson. Fills the bases for the Eagles. Two out. We'll see now. Well, here's the great Sparks himself coming to bat. Let's see, uh, Hiddle score two runs. The Eagles will win four to three, and the World Series will be over. But if the Larks can stop Sparky again, the series will be all tied to three games apiece, and the payoff game tomorrow, there it is, strike one. Now, everybody's asking what's happened to Sparky. Champion batter of the major leagues, he was an Arkansas tornado in the first three series games, hit over 500, won the first three games for the Eagles almost single-handed, and then he folded. Here's the pitch. Strike two. Strike two. Now Sparky didn't get a hit in the fourth game or the fifth. And today, in three official tries, the great Sparks has popped up once and struck out twice with men in scoring positions. There it is. Ball one. one. That's one and two on Sparky. You know, there's some ugly rumors around, but take it from your Uncle Ted, they're just malarkey. You know, you've heard them. But Sparky's been drugged. Sparks has sold out to the gamblers. It's all... Here it is. Strike three. Sparky didn't even lift his bat off his shoulder. He's out. Well, that's the game, folks. Ties it up with three games apiece. But what's happened to Sparks? Mr. Dayton, owner of the Eagles, wants to know. Mac McClune, fighting manager of the Eagles, wants to know. What's happened to Sparky? Listen, Weisenheimer, I'll give it to you in plain English. There ain't no more tickets. Oh, oh. hello, Mr. McClune. The boss in, Susie. Uh, yeah, he's waiting for you. Say, Mr. McClune, I want to tip you off. The boss said me and the boyfriend could see today's game from his box. And, well, you know what that means. Yeah, as usual, Dayton's ducking out in a pinch. Yeah, well, the rest of us still think you can lick them bombs, Mr. McClune. Thanks, Susie. Want to see me, Mr. Dayton? Oh, come in, Mac. Yeah. Mac, I'm leaving you in complete charge. Going away today, Mr. Dayton? I notice you have your golf clubs already. Mm, yes, I'm running up to the country club. I, I couldn't stand the strain of the final game, Mac. <clears throat> My uh, heart, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll phone you the result. Well, it's not as if I were running out on you or the team, Mac. Oh, it's not, Mr. Dayton. Uh, you'll, you'll bench Sparks, of course. Thought you were leaving me in charge. But, my dear McClune, he's had half a dozen chances to win the series in the last three games. And what's he if done? If Sparky goes, I go. Oh, he couldn't bat a ball with a coal shovel. Bat a ball. Bat. Bat. Oh, what a fool I've been. Of course, the bat. What are you raving about, Mac? Look, Mr. Dayton, if your heart can stand the strain of making one phone call before you go out to play golf, just one, mind you, we can still win this series. A phone call? I want a detective. Pay any fee he asks, but have him here in 15 minutes. A detective? What detective, Mac? The best in the world, Mr. Dayton. If there's one man can save this World Series for us, it's Ellery Queen. (laughs) 
And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the beginning of our mystery. We'll be back in just a moment to tell you more. But first, Ernest Chappell. You know, nobody minds hard work these days because we're working for victory. But what are you going to do when you're stopped by a common sick headache? Now, Miss Edith Ide of Fremont Avenue, Los Altos, California, has the answer to that. She writes... I work at the Red Cross seven hours a day, five and a half days a week, and spend what time I have left practicing my music. This constant work and study is quite a strain, and sometimes I get a common sick headache and my nerves feel on edge. Well, one evening, while listening to your very entertaining Ellery Queen program, I heard your clever, educated train tell about Bromo Seltzer, and I decided to try it the next time I got a headache. Was I delighted with the quick, effective relief I got? Why, in just a short time, my head felt a lot better, and my jumpy nerves began to calm down. I told everyone at the office about it, but most of them informed me that they were already familiar with Bromo Seltzer's grand health and had been relying on it for a long time. Now I'm never without Bromo Seltzer. I keep a bottle in my desk at the office and another at home. And that's a wise idea for everybody. You know, these days, you never know when you're liable to get a common sick headache. So if you don't already have a big blue bottle of Bromo Seltzer in your home medicine chest, get one tomorrow for sure. Now, back to our mystery. In answer to Mac McClune's phone call, Ellery, Nikki, the inspector, and Sergeant Bealey have just arrived. Hello, Mac. Uh, hello, Ellery. You know my father, Inspector Queen? The inspector. Hi, Mac. Sergeant Bealey. Hi. And this is my secretary, Nikki Porter. Hello. Porter. When they heard you wanted me on a case, Mac, I couldn't shake them off. <laughs> is there anything we can do to help the Eagles win, Mac? Thanks, Inspector Queen. We're Eagle fans, all of us. We need them all, Miss Porter. I got a week's salary on the Eagles, Mac. You and a flock of others, Sergeant. <laughs> Where's uh, Mr. Dayton? In a place where he won't bother us. Uh, Ellery, if you can solve a mystery in three hours, we've still got a chance to win. If you can't... Doesn't sound like Mac McClune talking. Three hours. Give me the facts. Well, Ellery, you know ball players. They're all kind of superstitious. Yeah. Remember how Babe Ruth always touched second base on his way in from right field at the end of every inning? Sparky's worse, Sergeant. He's got a pet bat. You mean Ellery's got to find one of those nasty things that fly around at night? <laughs> Mac's a baseball manager, Nicky, not a zookeeper. He means a baseball bat. Go on, oh. Mac. Well, Ellery, with that pet bat of his, Sparky's the greatest hitter in the game today. Well, not it. He's just a bummer. Uh, hold it, Sergeant. Uh. Mac, what happened to Sparks' bat and when? Well, the morning after the third game, Sparky told me about it, but it went clean out of my head. Somebody stole his bat. Aha! If Sparky gets back his bat... You think you'll snap out of a slump, Mac? Inspector, I'll eat your badge in the launch dugout if he don't. <laughs> Ellery's been asked to find stolen jewels, stolen documents, but a stolen baseball bat. Quiet, Nicky. Mac, was the bat stolen from the clubhouse? Uh, no, Ellery. Sparky was so nervous about it, he wouldn't leave it in the regular bat rack. He took it home with him. Where does he live? Well, Sparky got married just before the series. You mean the World Series of Sparky's honeymoon? Uh, sort of, Miss Porter. So, uh, Mr. Dayton gives Sparky and Lily, that's Sparky's wife, the use of his apartment during the series. They've been living there. What are we waiting for? Let's go. Uh, here's Dayton's apartment, Inspector. Okay, Mac. Really, you park out here in the hall and watch this front door. Huh? We don't want to be disturbed. Go ahead, Ellery. Knock. Hmm. 
Fancy layout. Oh, Inspector, you ain't leaving me out in the cold in a case like this. Bailey. Yes, sir. Mac, come on in. Oh, hello, Sparky. Uh, this is Inspector Queen, his son, Ellery, and Miss Porter. Howdy. Hiya. I'm going to meet the missus. Lily, Hi, meet Inspector Queen. Hi. See, it's awful good of you folks to help Sparky. I reckon I'm past being helped, Lily. Maybe not, Mr. Sparks. Uh, when did you first discover your bat was stolen? Well, Mr. Queen, I always put the bat in the hall closet there. The first thing I woke up the morning of the fourth game, I, well, I look in the closet and Uncle Sam... That's my pet name for the bat, you see. Sparky calls everything we own by a pet name, Mr. Queen. There's a skunk back home that bothers the chicken. Sparky calls him Hitler. I'm beginning to like you, Sparky. The bat was missing, Sparky, when you first looked in the closet that morning? No, Inspector. That time Uncle Sam's standing there all right. But then all that morning we have visitors, and when they go away and Lily and me get ready to mosey over to ballpark, why... I opened the closet door and Uncle Sam's gone. How many visitors did you have? Oh, wasn't it three, Lily? Oh, four, Sparky. Four visitors. Well, that means one of them must be the thief. I reckon so, Miss Porter. Uh, I wasn't counting Mr. Dayton, Lily. He's not exactly a visitor. This apartment being his'n. Oh, Mr. Dayton come first. He forgot to take his golf bag with him when he gave up this apartment. So he comes to pick it up. Uh, tell Mr. Queen who the other three were, Sparky. Okay, Mac, uh... Uh, first, there was Pigoli. Pigoli? The big-time gambler? I smell a rat. And what did Mr. Pigoli want? Well, it's uh, it's sort of personal. Oh, now, Sparky, you mustn't hold anything back if you want Mr. Queen to help. Lily's right, Sparky. Well, Mac, I'll I'll look here, Ellery. Sparky's the idol of sports fans all over the country, and he deserves to be. He sets a good example for the kids. Don't drink, don't smoke, a square shooter. But he's got one weakness that's going to get him in a heap of trouble. It already has. I know. I read about it in the papers. That's where Pagoli fits. Gambling. Looks that way, Dad. Commissioner had you on the carpet about it, didn't he, Sparky? Mm, yeah, Inspector. But Sparky won't listen. He wastes most of his dough paying off. Oh, gee, I've tried so hard to make him stop. I, I even refused to marry him until he promised to quit. Only he he didn't quit. I reckon you'll have to excuse me. Oh, Lily, be a good girl, Nikki, and keep Mrs. Sparks company in the next room. All right, Ellery. So you owe Pagoli money, Sparky, and he came here yesterday morning to collect, hmm? When you start talking about gambling, Sparky shuts up like a clam. Guess who's outside asking to see Sparky, Ellery? Speak of the devil, Sergeant. Huh? A big shot for going. Bring him in, Veely. All right, Inspector. Step into the parlor, Mr. Fly. Be careful with your hands, you. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Sparks. I come back tomorrow, eh? Well, now, now, I don't know. Might be too late, Pagoli. Inspector Queen, uh, I not see you at first. An umpire's eye, you not see him. Be careful how you talk, Mr. Veely. Sergeant Veely to you, pig. Uh, my business with Mr. Sparks, it can wait. I go now. Oh, wait, Mr. Pigoli. What do you want? Well, seeing how things are, maybe I better tell the truth. The truth? You told me Pigoli came to see you the other day about the money you owe him, Sparks. Well, I didn't want to worry you, Mac. Mr. Pagoli here, take care of what you spill, Hick. He was willing to forget my IOUs if... Mr. Sparks, I warn you. If what? If I threw the series, Mr. Queen. So that's it, Pagoli, you dirty backstab. Now, Mr. Piccoli, did you have any bundles or packages with you when you visited this apartment the other day? 
All of a sudden, not talk English, huh? No, he, he didn't have Mr. Queen. You're sure, Sparky? Did he wear a top coat? No, sir. Okay. Let him out, Bailey. Put a tail on, though. I think we'll be seeing more of Mr. Pig. Come on, Pig. Back to your story. Sparky, who were the other two visitors you had? Who came after Pagoli? After Mr. Pagoli comes Collins. Collins? Manager of the Larks? Yep, and uh, after Collins comes Buck Fisher. Uh, Fisher's the first baseman on your own team, Mac, isn't he? Yeah. Sparky beat Buck out of the batting championship by three points. Less than two hours left. Time's running out. Dad... You and Mac tackle manager Collins, the Larks. Nicky and I will call on the vanquished Eagle batsman, Buck Fisher. You'll find both of them at the stadium now, Ellery. Good. That saves us time. Dad, we check with each other at the stadium. Sparks can give us the other details on the way over. Hurry. Collins, we've known each other since the old sandlot days. We don't have to spar around. What's on your mind, Inspector? Collins wanted you, the manager of the opposition team, drop in to see Sparks, the star batter of Max team during the World Series. It's your little idea, Mac? Trying to frame me just before the start of the last game? You know me better than that, Collins. Okay. Inspector, I ran up to see Sparky about our bet. What bet? Two thousand bucks, even money on the World Series winner. Sparky bet his team to win, Collins? That's a hot one. Did you ever hear of Sparky betting against himself? Sure, he bet on his team. With his team taking the first three games, I thought Sparky might be willing to raise the ante. At uh, big odds, of course. But no soap. Sparky said no? He was willing, Mac. But his wife said next. Collins, were you wearing a top coat that morning? Who, me? A top coat in this weather? Did you um, have any bundles with you? Criminy, no. Say, what's this all about anyway? Forget it. Come on, let's go, Mac. Uh, just a minute, Inspector. Uh, Collins. Yeah, Mac? Who you pitching today? <laughs> See the night's paper. There's the door to the Eagles' locker room, Nicky. Uh, excuse me, uh, are you Buck Fisher? Yeah. See out in the field, fellas. Okay. Who are you? What? Don't you know Ellery Queen? Never heard of him, lady. Hey, you're not the new sports writer for the Herald, are you? <laughs> Strike. No, Fisher, I'm a detective. Detective? What goes? A few simple questions, Mr. Fisher. Why did you pay a visit to Sparks the morning of the fourth game? Well, Sparky and I had a bet all season on who'd wind up with the best batting average. Sparky won by three points. Ten is Hyde. And I saw him do it. Made five hits in the last game of the season. So what? So why'd you drop in to see Sparky that morning, Fisher? Oh, we had another bet. Who'd get the most hits in the series? Sparky hit like a house of fire the first three games, but I figured he'd fold. So that morning I comes up and I says, Sparky, how about doubling the bet? Did he, Fisher? He says yes, but his wife says no. So what's the matter, Sparky? Cold feet? Well, Sparky says Okay. Yeah, then his wife starts the water work, so I beat it. But the double bet's on. Oh, there's a signal for batting practice. I gotta go out and cloud a couple. Oh, uh, Mr. Fisher? Yeah? Did you wear a top coat that morning or carry any packages? What? No. Miss Porter, why did you ask Fisher those last two questions? If you can ask him a pagoli, Mr. Queen. 
I can ask him a fisher. <laughs> That's what I thought. Come on, Miss Copycat. Let's find Dad. Exactly as much from Collins as Ellery and I did from Buck Fisher. Yeah, yeah, Nicky, a great big goose egg. Uh, Ellery, the game will be starting in a few minutes. Uh, are we getting anywhere? <laughs> well, Sergeant. Ah, we haven't even got to first base. Ellery, we're no nearer finding that bat than when we start. I wouldn't say that, Dad. Ellery, don't tell me you know where. Yes, I know where Sparky's bat is, Nicky. There's only a 50 50 chance it's still there. Dad. Step aside with me. I'll tell you what to do. Now, you telephone. Ellery and his pesky secret. Yeah. I wonder what's cooking. Nearly two hours since Dad made that phone call, Nikki, and no sign of anybody. You will the sidewalk, Ellery. Two hours waiting at the ball player's entrance, and we could have been inside with Dad and Vili watching the game. Uh, Dad, what inning is it? Last of the night, son. Uh, what's the score now, Sergeant? Still the same, Miss Porter. One to nothing. Oh. Favor the large. Oh, give up, Ellery. It's too late now. You, you must have been wrong this time. Nikki, I tell you, I wasn't wrong. I couldn't have been. How can I go in there and face Mac McClune without that pet bat of sparky? Well, you can't do the impossible, Ellery. He gave you only a few hours. Nikki, this is it. What, a police call? Hello, Hello, Ellery Green? Yes. Here it is. The bat. the snakes of St. Patrick, it is. It's Sparky's bat. Hey, Sparks! Floyd, Floyd, call Sparky back. He's on his way to the plane. Right. Where's the police department? Hey, how's it saying? Oh, we're behind this place. The same as yesterday. One to nothing. Last to nine. Faces full two out and Sparky up. Sparky! Sparks get a hit. Any hit will drive in two runs. And we win. Sparky, take the lead out of your feet. Hey, what is it, Mac? You're, you're not benching. You're fat, Sparky. Your own fat here. Now go on out there and use it. Uncle Sam... Don't you worry, Mac. Good old Uncle Sam won't let you down. One side, fellas. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the mystery and I hope a solution as well. Nikki, will you be good enough to introduce our guest armchair detectives for this evening? Well, Ellery... Our guests tonight are certainly the right men to try to solve this mystery because both of them know just about all there is to know about baseball. And when I tell you who they are, you'll see what I mean. Our first guest is Ken Sears, catcher of the New York Yankees and son of Ziggy Sears, famous National League umpire. You can be sure that when the Yankees meet the St. Louis Cardinals for the first World Series game October 5th, more than a few eyes will be watching Ken Sears. All right, Nikki, I'll agree the first guest knows baseball. But what about the second? Well, our second guest isn't a ball player. But that doesn't mean he doesn't know about baseball. He's Art Flynn, business manager of the Sporting News, the Bible of the baseball world. Mr. Flynn has been with the Sporting News for 16 years and has covered every World Series in that time. 
Mr. Flynn says that the sporting news has a tremendous international circulation, since so many of its old readers are now in the service, but still yelling for their copies. And, incidentally, they get them. And now, Ellery? Mr. Sears, I have two questions for you this evening. Number one, where did I find Sparky's bat? And two, who stole it? Well, Mr. Queen, I believe you found that bat in Mr. Dayton's golf bag. Mr. Dayton's golf bag. And uh, how did it get there? Well, I believe uh, Mr. Dayton visited Sparky's uh, uh, apartment that morning, and I believe he uh, stole that bat and uh, went out to the golf course to play golf and missed that last game of the World Series. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Mr. Sears. And now, Mr. Flynn, where did I find Sparky's bat and who stole it? I think I've got to agree with uh, Ken Sears, Ellery, uh, that he found it in the golf bag because no one had a top coat. And secondly, I'd say that when the that the person that put it there was Lily, the wife, because when they were talking about if he threw the series and she walked out and said no when they wanted to double his bet, it's the case of that famous French saying, Cherchez la femme. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, Mr. Flynn and Mr. Sears. You'll have to wait a moment to find out whether you've solved tonight's mystery correctly. And in the meanwhile, here's Ernest Chapel. Who it develops is up on his modern slang. <laughs> Ellery means I'm hep to the jive, I suppose. And all because I happen to mention to him that when you have a headache, you just can't be on the beam. In other words, you don't feel 100%. But if you're hep, that is to say if you know your way around, the chances are that you know our bromo seltzer gives quick, effective relief from the three-way misery that may often accompany a common sick headache. Yes, bromo seltzer acts three ways. On head, nerves, and stomach. Try Bromo Seltzer the next time you have a common sick headache. See how quickly it has you cooking with gas. Or, as we old fogies say, feeling more like your old self again. But, Ellery, where did you find the bag? That was simple, Nicky, once I knew the facts. Only four people. Dayton, Pagoli, Collins, and Fisher visited Sparky between the last time he saw the bat in the closet and the time he saw it was gone. So obviously, one of those four stole the bat from the apartment. Well, I said that long ago, Ellery, but which one? The important question wasn't who took the bat, Nicky, but how. How was the bat taken out of the apartment under Sparks' nose without Sparks seeing it? Strike one. After all, a bat is a sizable object, 36 inches long and a solid hunk of hickory. So that's why you asked about the packages and the topcoats, huh? Right, Dad. But none of the four visitors carried a package or wore a topcoat. The topcoat idea was a shot in the dark. Actually, you can't conceal a 36-inch baseball bat under a coat, or inside a trouser leg, for that matter, and still walk like a human being. Yet the bat was taken from the apartment. How? There was one article taken out of that apartment that was big enough to conceal a 36-inch baseball bat. But Sparks said nothing went out, sir. Wrong, Dad. Sparks said one thing did go out. Remember? Dayton's golf bag. Dayton? The owner of the Eagles? The one who left the Sparks as his apartment? That's right. Dayton came back for his golf bag, Sparky said. And with the top zippered over, it'd hold a baseball bat and not be seen. No! 
trying to. Now, either Dayton put the bat in his golf bag or someone else did. If Dayton were the thief, the first thing he'd do once he was out of the hotel was get rid of the bat. But if someone else put the bat into Dayton's bag and Dayton hadn't yet looked inside, the bat would still be there. So, Nicky, Henry told me to phone the chief of police nearest to Dayton's country club. Chief rushed to the club, found Dayton's bag still unopened, and the bat inside. Well, Mr. Dayton can't be the thief. And there's ball two. Then, then who stole the bat? Who did it? Well, who hid it in Dayton's golf bag? Well, who was in the apartment when Dayton took away his bag? Not Pagoli, not Collins, no Fisher. None of them had arrived yet. Only two people were there besides Dayton, Sparks and his wife. Did Sparky steal his own bat? Would he deliberately get rid of the one thing he needed most to win his bet? No. Couldn't be Sparks. Then it must be... You mean his own wife? Mrs. Sparks stole that bat. She's the only one left, so Sparky's wife must be the thief. But he's take every one. Mrs. Sparks. Yes, Mr. Queen. Will, will you come here, please? What, what in me, Mr. Queen? You've heard what I just said. Mrs. Sparks. Lily, why did you do it? Oh, gee, I thought if Sparky lost his pet bat, he'd lose his bet. And Collins and Fisher and Pagoli and all the others. I thought that would cure him. But I, oh, gee, I didn't realize what it would mean to Mac and to Sparky's teammates and all the fans. I, well, I was scared to admit Ellery, do we have to tell Sparky? If everything comes out all right, I don't see why, Nikki. Oh, you're a darling. <laughs> don't forget Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam came through in the clutch, and he always will. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to the mystery. I want to thank Mr. Sears and Mr. Flynn for appearing as guest armchair detectives this evening. We want especially to compliment Mr. Flynn on his skill in solving the crime. We have for both Mr. Sears and Mr. Flynn a personal gift from Bromo Seltzer, also an autographed copy of my latest mystery anthology, The Female of the Species, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. In just a minute, Ellery will be back to tell you about next week's mystery. Meanwhile, here's a friendly tip from an old pal. Our famous talking Bromo Seltzer train. Why, yes, five headaches three ways with Bromo Seltzer. You see, common sick headaches may often affect you three ways pounding head, nerves that jingle, jangle, jingle, and upset stomach. So it seems sensible to take Bromo Seltzer which is scientifically designed to fight all three. Yes, Bromo Seltzer gives quick relief from that pain in your head. Bromo Seltzer helps calm jumpy nerves. Bromo Seltzer helps settle upset stomach. Now you can take Bromo Seltzer while it's still fizzing or after it settles down. Use it only as directed on the label. For frequent or recurring headaches, see your doctor. When it's a common sick headache that has you feeling miserable, let our talking train tell you how to lick it. Say, Ellery, mm-hmm. come on back here a minute. You got anything to say before we close up this yes, shop? Yes, I have, Chappie. Well? Ladies and gentlemen, because you had asked for them, during the summer months, we brought you what we felt were the best of the Ellery Queen mysteries broadcast during the last five years. Tonight's story marks the end of these command performances. 
For with next Saturday's mystery, we will again bring you brand new Ellery Queen adventures. That was The Adventures of Ellery Queen and the episode, The Adventure of the World Series Crime, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. Oh, man. Ah, so much, so much, so much. First of all, because of this podcast, and I've said this before, the opportunity to sit down and say, hmm, what in the big giant treasure trove of all time radio would I like to listen to tonight? Because we have episodes that we have to do, and it pretty much fills all my spare time. So there's no more of that. I just get to go pick something and listen to it. It's usually I have enough time to get these done, right? <laughs> this and put on some pants. <laughs> right. Maybe. And so Not today, guys. Let me tell you. <laughs> this is one of those that had been on my list. Like, I've never sat down and listened to an adventure of Ellery Queen, and I've seen them. And I'm like, I'd really like to give that a shot. So I'm thanking you for actually bringing one of these to the podcast, Tim, so that I could finally cross that off my list. And say, oh, good. I finally heard one of these. I had no idea the concept. I didn't know that there were celebrity sit-down crime solvers in the studio. I don't know anything about Ellery Queen, and Joshua so graciously told us at the top of this episode <laughs> that he's going to fill us in on all of this information. We're laughing because Tim just wrote that into the intro without <laughs> talking to me, and I was reading along on, oh, I'm going to tell people about Ellery Queen. <laughs> yeah. I could have done some research, but I chose not to. <laughs> I mentioned to Tim earlier that my last class in college was an independent study on cassette tape called Ellery Queen and the American Detective Novel. And the teacher essentially used Ellery Queen as this model for how the detective novel changed over the course of years. And I know that Ellery Queen started very much in the style of the uh, English dignified mystery novels where he had a walking stick and a monocle and he was a lot more pretentious and he, he slowly became more naturalistic as crime fiction in America became more urban and yes yeah. and natural mm -hmm. a little more introspective pertinent to this radio show is the early Ellery Queen novels were really focused on the idea of fair play mysteries mm -hmm. as in all the clues are there the clues are all there in fact the early Ellery Queen books had a penultimate page inserted before the last chapter that was uh, the reader challenge that actually like oh. in this mystery show said stop here make your guess now do you, have you solved cool. the mystery Carlton so that, Morris wrote that way to make sure that it was solvable and yeah. like I love a mystery to an extent yeah so I think this radio show of actually bringing on celebrities to solve it was inspired by these early LA yeah. Queen books that did the exact same thing some of the uh, research I did on Digital Deli which is a fantastic website was suggesting that these guest detectives they would bring in uh it was uh in demand position to like people really wanted to go and cool. be a guest detective on the show very rarely did they get it right really because yeah. they nailed this one mm -hmm. i will also give you kudos tim for selecting this particular ellery queen because here we are it's summer and baseball and just so you two know, I'm sure you don't, but there are no eagles in baseball or what was the other one? The, the larks. The larks. 
The Larks. Uh, Ellery Queen must have picked that name because he is terrible at <laughs> picking names. Like when he comes on and he must have used all his brain power on the case because he has the least imaginative name for this episode for the possible. It is the World so Series, bizarre. The Adventure of World Series. I call this adventure in which I solve a crime at the World Series the Adventure of the World Series Crime. <laughs> yeah. It is mysteriously difficult to say every time. There's no natural way to say no. adventure of the world series crime it makes no- <laughs> not only that when you sent this to us tim uh in your writing you misspelled series and it said sweeries <laughs> and so i thought that i didn't know that was a misspelling I'm like ooh, what is what is world sweeries it's world sweeries <laughs> it's an award for swearing <laughs> um so- could have been great titles for this the adventure of the lucky bat that's right there come on ellery uncle sam Step goes batty <laughs> <laughs> There's... Hitler's a skunk. <laughs> First of all, I really love this idea. I if this was around on every week, this would be my show if I was alive back then because the idea of trying to solve it was really fun. I did not because I did not hear a reference to a golf bag. And when they both brought it, I was oh. like, oh, I missed it. What I should have done is stop before the solving and listen to it again to make sure I had all the stuff because I just drove right through and I missed wherever the golf bag was mentioned. Yeah, they kind of threw it in before. Now we're going to question the suspects and get evidence. But but I will say I did pick the wife because everything else is so red herringy, <laughs> too obvious. So Well, what happened for me is I called the golf bag because i think it's really if you hear it it's really obvious it's literally the only thing it could be right i mean there's fair play and then there's just like pointing it out which i think is why when ellery queen goes to the guests he at the last second separates it into two questions Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. how did it get out and who put it there and so because the golf bag was so obvious i assumed it was mr dayton the owner i had it as vague as Ellery Queen had, which made me think, like, well, I sort of have this, but uh, so I knew, like, golf bag, and then probably the wife for some reason, and then found out Ellery Queen was like, yeah, that's why I said there's a 50% chance it'd be there, and 50%, probably yeah. the wife. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the adventure of the World Series of maybe crime? <laughs> <laughs> I love the premise of this, right? Mm-hmm. I love the premise of being able to solve the crime and try and figure it out. So I like that. There's so much wrong with this actual story. <laughs> you cannot be caught gambling in baseball and still play. <laughs> Today. That's what I'm trying post to figure play, out. Post Black Sox, I assume. <laughs> well, the Black Sox is 1912, 1908. Yeah. I'm sorry, early 1900s. I don't have the exact date. There's no way that guy admitting, even three hours before the game, I have been betting on my games. <laughs> Who did he admit it to? Well, the commissioner <laughs> Who of the league all knew. wanted their team to win. This red is so true <laughs> Plus to me. the manager today, of... <laughs> it's big money sports. Well, he... They can do anything. Here's what you don't know. Yeah. 30, 40 years later, I don't know when it was, but Pete Rose was yeah, kicked out of baseball. Fame. I guarantee that everybody knew for years until it became something that no one could turn a blind eye to. I will disagree with you because of this, because there is an unwritten thing with sports that it is absolutely horrific that you would bet either on yourself to win or lose. It is really, really, really bad to do that. But I think if, if there people was knew that it, idea, it, this story wouldn't exist. This had to be riffing on something that the listeners at the time at least would go, yeah, I can see someone having right. that problem. Now, you're saying you're 
you find it more difficult to believe that a player would bet or that he would admit it in front of these people? All of it. First of all, it's pretty rare that a player would bet gambling. No, but to bet on yourself or against yourself in your own games is, please forgive the word, but in that world, that's immoral. It's just, no, you wouldn't do that. But to admit it, is even crazier because there's no way they would have let him play that night. You're out of baseball forever. That's it. I don't believe that. I don't believe that the people who own that wouldn't have let it go until they win the World Series. I, I, <laughs> this is the World Series crime. This is... <laughs> yeah, Maybe totally that's why we haven't heard of the Eagles and the Larks. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my point. It just has to ring true to the listener, right? That's more important than reality, really. Mm-hmm. And to me... This rang true. I mean, they were desperate to do anything to see that the Eagles won. I I don't want to get into it because there's a lot of examples of huge games where somebody who is extremely important to that team's success in that Super Bowl or World Series game, whatever, has been literally a day before, nope, you can't play. And so it does happen, and not just for gambling reasons, but to say, no, we're just going to sweep that under the rug. The repercussions of finding out later that you swept that under the rug before the game are higher than not doing that. But I get what you're saying about the ethical level of big money sports. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're getting <laughs> so at. So the idea it's is from easy a, to doubt it. <laughs> it's easy to doubt from it. From a yes. listener point of view, I think this is just like a, yeah. I think they would go along with this idea whether it's true or not. Absolutely. I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> <laughs> I am enjoying arguing from a standpoint of ignorance, and I will continue to do so, but I don't know anything about it. What I'm but I was willing to believe What that. I was trying to figure out, and Tim brought up a great point about the Black Sox scandal, and that changed baseball forever about betting on yourself and all of that. At this point, whenever this aired, 1943, it's actually pretty, yeah. still pretty fresh in people's heads. I mean, that was a huge, huge problem. So I doubt that it would have been so easily accepted that, yeah, he's got a problem, but just stop doing it, you know, because of that. Again, if you jump ahead, I don't know, 50 years, whenever Rose, 60 years when Rose got in trouble for betting on himself, and of course, not the first and last person to do it, but... It's really interesting how this mimics that, but Pete Rose is just thrown out, and they're yeah. like, all right, you got your bat now? You done gambling? <laughs> yes. Go win it. Well, they're not even going to tell him that his wife stole the bat at the right. end. They're like, uh, we don't want to interfere with his here's gambling another, sickness. <laughs> here's another problem, with, another problem with the story is your bat doesn't last very long. It will splinter and shatter after a few games. You don't have Not a- Uncle Sam. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about one of those creatures of the night? With yeah. Wings? yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the a, way, uh... were they could they be more mean to the secretary? <laughs> she asks a question, he goes, Okay, shut up. No, Cindy. he says at one point, yeah, oh be quiet. Oh be quiet. <laughs> this yeah. is one of the rare times that I actually listened to this uh with my wife. <laughs> and it was it was at night. We we were in bed. It was dark and that came on and he's like oh be quiet and i just heard my wife go wow (laughs) i just heard that in the dark i don't hear wow in the dark very often (laughs) yeah it was it was pretty quiet what did you say why are you asking that question because you heard me ask it earlier (laughs) that's what i thought idiot (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. There's nothing enjoyable about that. 
They're really why have her in there if she's just a pain? Why even yeah. have that character? That in makes there? like Lamont Cranston look like a suffragette. <laughs> I mean, that is like <laughs> just awful. And what's awful about it is they write her as just like yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and she just eats it up. It's like, uh, but why even have her along for the ride? Not only well, it goes to at least one of my issues with this whole concept. I know there are characters in the books, but there are too many characters. He shows oh up with an entourage. <laughs> you can't figure out who's talking and the first listen through. Oh, there yeah. is Sergeant Beely. There's his inspector father. Yep. There's Ellery Queen himself with a not very distinctive voice. And the first baseman, the manager from the yeah. other team. Yeah. The, yeah, the only guy that stood out was the gambler guy because he had that accent yeah you know, everybody else just talk like this nikki's a ditz and he has a southern accent and those guys you could latch on to right away nikki uh i didn't catch it and i couldn't figure it out is it barton yarborough not nikki uh sparky sparky the, nikki's the secretary but was that barton yarborough sounded like it sounds I don't a know. lot like him and like they didn't mention who was playing him did they i not don't i heard no yeah it sounded a lot like barton yarborough Anyway, I was hoping someone knew because I don't do research, neither does Tim. We just count on you, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> I let you down then, guys. Uh. Yeah, there's way too many voices, way too many characters. That's why I kept getting confused. Why is he there with his dad? Isn't Ellery Queen? It's like Rockford Files, and then he's well, like he's reporting not a, to his dad. Ellery Queen is not a legit not like licensed member of the police force, so he can only tag along with his dad, who's an inspector, who apparently... So that's the whole concept yeah. of Ellery Just Queen? like gambling in sports, I doubt a police officer can just bring their obnoxious <laughs> son along to solve crimes. Tell that to Charlie Chan. That's the entire premise of that whole series. Yeah. As I understand, the Ellery Queen series and concept evolved over time, where it, even later stories didn't have the, can you solve it? It became more... Was it Ellie Gould? On TV, that played Ellery Queen. There no, was, I don't think reading, so. I think he played Philip Marlowe in the Timothy movie. Hutton's dad. I think so. Who I can't think of what his name is, other than Timothy Hutton's dad, Mr. Hutton. Yeah, Mr. Hutton played. <laughs> Mr. Hutton. I like you. You're respectable. <laughs> I'm looking it up. The other thing I did enjoy about this is hearing Ernest Chapel doing his legitimate announcer work <laughs> before he, he was picked up by Willis Cooper as an actor. Did you catch that? He was the announcer. Who was? Ernest, Ernest Chappell. Ah. One of the giveaways is when they go, and now our announcer, Ernest Chappell. I didn't hear it. <laughs> yeah. but I also didn't hear about the golf bag, so cut me some slack. If they didn't say his name, you would never know, because he just sounds like cheery announcer. And now back to our show. Yeah. Wow, cool. He's like, Bromo Seltzer, are you have to the jive? <laughs> and there we go. And then the Bromo Seltzer, terrifying Bromo Seltzer. That is the worst ad campaign ever. Yeah. Buy this or we'll kill you. So Ellery Queen, the TV series, starred Jim Hutton. Why did I think it was Elliot Gould? Because the name Elliot's in there? That, just sort of 70s, dark, curly-haired guy. Yeah, 70s is just vaguely Elliot Gould. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Like, By the just way. Think Brown and Elliot Gould is what I think of when I think of the 70s. Here's your guest stars on the TV show. As George Burns and Roddy McDowell, Ed McMahon, Vincent Price, Cesar Romero. We're watching this. Awesome. <laughs> we got to find this. Uh, yeah, so I love the concept. I love the idea of being able to solve a crime and that it's written in such a way that it's like, what did we get in school? That Encyclopedia that, Brown. No, there was something else. that The magazine thing that came, like, can you solve it? And then 
the teacher would read it in front of the class, and then we'd all have to try to solve it. It was all in there. I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, I liked that. Part of the reason I loved this two bits was I was in third grade. Mr. Shane Bourne would read Encyclopedia Brown to us, and it was exactly his experience of, oh. can you solve this mystery of what happened? And it was like, I, I could do I know. I'm a little child. I understand. Uh, it was, like, I'll solve the mystery. It's worth being beat up at lunchtime. <laughs> that, that was my peak. That was at my best was in third grade. Solving Encyclopedia Brown mysteries. <laughs> My glory days. Uh, so I was glad to relive that briefly here with this radio show. Why did you bring it? I never asked. What made you bring this to the podcast? I'll tell you literally how I got here. I wonder if there's a thing that has scarecrows in it. I Googled. <laughs> <laughs> I Googled like old time radio and scarecrow, and sure enough, there's an episode of The Adventures of Ellery Queen that has a scarecrow in the title. I didn't listen to it because like, it's The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Why did you want a scarecrow? You, you just sort of stepped totally around the most interesting part of this story. I was thinking scarecrows, and then Ellery Queen, and we're like, scarecrows, tell us about See, that. That's the story. I'm like, I wonder if there's scarecrows. It just sounds like an interesting sort of monster of the week for so, me. So that just popped into your head? Yeah. Okay. That explains so much about yeah. your choices, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Peanut butter. <laughs> I wonder if I'm Googling Wait, I'm just going to have a sandwich instead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's Let's vote. I like the idea, and I'm not so turned off by what I listened to to not try again, but overall, that particular episode was full of a lot of um, <laughs> terrible. That didn't follow logic to me. It was, as Joshua said, a little too handed to us. That might be because there were some baseball players there that day and they didn't want him to look stupid. <laughs> there's too many actors. There's too much going on. It's too all over the place. I wonder if the hour-long episodes oh, I bet have more room to breathe and don't feel yeah. quite so. Not really a classic. Or I'm going to be really mean. I don't think it stands the test of time, this particular episode, but I think the concept does. I'm weirdly in a position like, I want to say it doesn't stand the test of time, but is a classic of a sort, which is backwards and just purposely wrong, but... Um, I'm, sorry, I'm just imagining inside Tim's head, he's just going, Scarecrow. <laughs> All the time, 24 hours a day. Yeah, it, it's quaint, but it's I have a nostalgic love for it, specifically this kind of story, specifically this kind of mystery. Right. It was fun. I don't know what it stands the test of time, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's hard to judge this because I do th- recognize it immediately as comfort food, just somebody else's comfort food. (laughs) I love detective stories, but I'm usually drawn to detective stories because I enjoy the detective character. And so I'm drawn to eccentric detectives Mm -hmm. and I find Ellery Queen pretty humdrum and it is more about the puzzle, which I'm not as interested in. And I think this one has a couple problems is in the the Nikki is I mean we listen to a lot of old time radio show that's dated but that was just sort of painful to listen to wow seems like that's the right Uh, but the puzzle is fun and I'll be honest it made me listen harder it's Mm -hmm. a good gimmick solving at the end and I've heard one other one and Peggy Lee was the guest and I swear she sounded like she was drunk because I think she just giggled through the entire thing when they asked her it was just sort of like I don't know I'm Nikki (laughs) but I think it actually because of the universal nature of detective stories the fact that it asks you to solve at the end I think helps it stand the test of time for me because 
we love detective stories mm-hmm. forever. They've changed. They're different from this detective story. But that need for us to solve it and know the solution, and if we're invited to participate in it, mm-hmm. it is like being in school again. I was like, I better really listen hard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I admire that. And one last thing I didn't get to say is I love the very top of this, doing it as a radio, uh, baseball broadcast. Mm. It felt yeah. really authentic, it was, and they were able to get exposition in in a non-clunky way and yep. I don't even listen to, to baseball on the radio I've just it's like a background hum thing and so it, it, it that it was the most comfort people. food part of it just you know baseball that. is for most people it's that background noise of it sounds wonderful mm-hmm. I also like that it's gonna be a detective we need to solve it in three hours like that's a pretty good setup yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that if Inner Sanctum adopted this uh, format, <laughs> do now who you do understand you... what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> who do you think did it? We'll be right back. And then the writers go... are waiting to hear your answer. <laughs> <laughs> and if you just come up with the craziest possible thing you can possibly think of, you would probably be right. <laughs> oh, see last week's episode. <laughs> All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. It is the home of this podcast, and other episodes of this podcast live there. Uh, It's a great way also to get a hold of us. Uh, Either you can just leave us a little message saying, we want you to listen to this episode, or we like you, or anything else. Uh, It's also, you can find links to our Facebook or Instagram and interact with us socially on social media. Uh, And, uh, yeah. You can also go to (laughs) patreon.com slash the morals. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast, or as Ellery Queen might say, the adventure of go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast crime. <laughs> so we'd really appreciate that. And go to iTunes too and have an adventure there as well and write us a review. Thank you so much. All right, what's next? Next, we have a listener pick, and that is something from Suspense called Fugue in C minor. Until then... Look out! By this hero.